Um, while we wait, uh, Victor, let me know if you're able to get the PowerPoint. At least the PowerPoint. Okay, good. So while we wait, I just want to review. This is our fourth week on just looking at this political economics series with Scripture. Um, and I just want to review why is this important. Is uh, The very first session we looked at is we saw that um, in terms of a biblical worldview, um, the physical world matters, right? If you guys remember that, we compare the difference. Some Christians think, oh, the whole life is to be aesthetic, almost to be like a monk. We don't care anything physical. But we also saw scripture teachers that's not biblical, right? Then the also the same first session, we also considered that th there's another wrong view, which is worldliness. Worldliness is the idea that everything is all about the physical and the spiritual doesn't matter. And we saw all that is to say that when we look at the Bible, the Bible has a lot to actually to say about our possession, our money, okay? And even our um, even how do we go about with uh, getting things and living in this world, okay? So that we look at that so that this is a foundation for really why economics matter, okay? I don't think economics is the number one thing that matters, but I think it's probably penultimate to salvation. That is, it's secondary. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's not as if it doesn't matter at all. Then the second session we looked at is also uh, economics according to Proverbs. And I think as we look at Proverbs, I think it actually established... Um, Really what we call, for lack of a better term, capitalism. I don't really like the term capitalism because people could think it's only focusing on capital. Capital meaning the resource to make money. But really is about free market economics where people exchange good instead of violence, threats, um, bribery. That there's an exchange um, of things voluntary. And think about it, people throughout history have tried to get things that they want through various bad means. But the right mean is voluntary giving, okay? Uh, voluntary uh, exchange of goods or services, okay? So we established that. Of course, that doesn't mean that there's no generosity, um, even as we talked about before. And then last week, what we've looked at is really the government, which Scripture talks about supply and demand, and also the problem when you kind of interrupt the supply and demand with government interference, okay? Uh, with government interference, okay? So all that we've gone over, I hope you guys know, I'm not saying... So I don't hold to laissez-faire in the sense that uh, let go and let be. I actually do believe a biblical view means there is a role for government. Actually, capitalism cannot happen without government creating order, okay? Saying, hey, this, if you could sue somebody for lying, for selling you things that are inaccurate, um, for cutting you off, for instance, or saying, okay, I'm giving you 100 gram of, I don't know, gold, and then they only sold you 80, you know, that kind of things. So there is a place, and also to make sure that people are not forcing, looting, uh, rioting, okay, which is very um, destruct destructive to free exchange of goods and services for everyone, as right now our country is experiencing. So there is a place for that, okay? And then now today we're going to look at the theme of biblical justice versus worldly justice, okay? And what I mean by worldly justice, um, I use that to capture a whole way, array of words where people use today. Um, you guys ever hear people say the word social justice? Anybody? Anyone to unmute ever hear the idea of social justice? Yes. Yeah, this, that is a buzzword, okay? Um, I do believe there is an area of justice that touch social dimension. Social meaning the definition is involving others. But I think that term today means things that are not necessarily just, nor is it necessarily biblical, okay? And under the guise of social justice, there's all these other cottage industry of different justice, um, people saying certain things like, you know what, there needs to be, for instance, reproductive justice. And reproductive justice does not mean the right to have children. It sounds right. The word justice is such a loaded term that sounds right that sometimes if you don't pay attention 
uh, with the slogans, you could go along with it until you ask, until you understand, or sometimes, unfortunately, until it's too late, you see the policy fully implemented, and you're like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. But then people could support it, okay? So reproductive justice oftentimes is referring to abortion also as well. Notice uh, we have to be careful as Christians. We need to be really careful with this theme of justice. And I would actually say, um, by the way, why is this message relevant? Um, any of you guys ever evangelized with me before at Pasadena City College or UCLA? Um, if you guys have, you guys, you discover yeah, Okay, Josh is an example. Victor's an example. Evangelizing in college campus, you'll discover, and I actually feel the last, oh, I don't know, since what? I've been evangelizing college campus on and off since, um, what, 2001? I actually feel people come up now to me more than ever before compared to 2001 asking questions about related to social justice. In fact, some people come trying to attack me as a Christian. They're like, oh, you must be conservative Christian. And they'll ask me all these questions about social justice. So they're forcing to, they're even actually very intentionally sometimes attacking the biblical view of justice. So in light of this, one of the reasons why this is relevant is because the world is holding us to more of a litmus test ever than before. When I'm on college campuses, it's actually becoming even more and more toxic, even more and more intolerant, where people come over and say, oh, you know what? One of the reasons why I reject the Bible is, is because it doesn't match my view of justice or my view of government. So I think this is one of the reasons why I'm going over this, okay? I hope you guys understand I'm doing this to be relevant. As we evangelize, you will be asked tough questions. You will be, and today I'm, I'm hearing more and more people, right, in their work. They're having to have certain kind of uh, sensitivity training that actually implements a whole entire worldview, of social justice. So for lack of a better term, I titled that worldly justice because there's a sense where biblical justice do have social dimension, but I call that worldly justice so uh, as a better term. Um, different people call it different things. For instance, an economist Thomas Sowell, he calls it cosmic justice. Okay, uh, The word social justice is not new. It goes back to the 60s, even 80s and 90s. And I'm just surprised now, finally, in 2020, pe everyday people are talking about it. Things that was in the university when I was a political science um, major and you know and now finally people are talking all about that and because ideas always have consequences let's go on to the next slide okay um, many areas we could cover but I'm going to specifically address this issue that sometimes you hear people say have you yourself or others around you say things like this there's inequality of outcome here in whatever sphere maybe um, in education um, maybe in like for instance childbirth okay uh, people, there's people that have showed document um, records. For instance, there is a difference of quality of health care, for instance, for African-American uh, women when they're giving birth um, and natal care versus those that are of other social economic status, okay? Um, whatever it is, they could say things, for instance, there an uh, inequality of outcome, for instance, between um, those that have been arrested for those that advocate criminal justice reform or those in terms of today, the most controversial one during the summer is, for instance, things of police shooting. Now, I'm not going to go to all these details. I'm actually going to, my emphasis today is emphasizing the biblical view of justice, Okay. Um, and therefore, when you hear people say, okay, look at the difference of inequality of outcome, therefore we see here the injustice, and therefore um, the motto that's often pursued is some kind of governmental means or pressuring of protests of governmental means to be able to achieve goals, okay? Um, to be able to achieve goals. And by the way, I am very concerned about this. I am very concerned as a Christian. And this is going to spill over, by the way, even into our series on leadership, 
Okay, um, Hui's desire, and some of you guys' desire has expressed the same thing from servant meaning. Let's go over a biblical view of leadership. I see this as uh, this is something that is impacting our society at large. When you focus so much on a wrong view of justice, I think we could also have as a form of that. Even it impacts even our view of how we view leadership. Um, there is a teacher that told me that there's uh, you know in school, in high school, right? There's a lot of leadership position, right? You guys think of class president, yes. You could think of even um, uh, organizing, what's that thing called? Um, homecoming, okay? Homecoming. Or not homecoming was the other one. Um, also as well of prom, right? Prom is a big deal for high school, yes? For some high school, yes? And then there's a committee that goes about that plan that, right? They vote for a committee, the public student, you know? And this teacher told me that it was very unfortunate in the high school is their only model, some of the students' model of leadership is involves what? Protests. So they want to plan a prom. And when they plan a prom, usually for most of us, in a traditional view of leadership, we'll be like, okay, part of leadership is taking what? Responsibility, yes? Taking responsibility that, hey, if you didn't plan things well, you it is up incumbent upon you, right? Or a leadership, for instance, um, if you're a president and the whole group didn't do well, you're also responsible because you failed in leading and motivating others. Well, today's model sometimes of leadership for something as mundane, or we think of as regular or ordinary, though special as prom, people, their model, one teacher told me, was end up being what? The students, instead of focusing on trying to get things done, focus on what? Protesting the teacher, saying the teacher is doing things unjust. They're focusing, and then that teacher's had to say, like, no, this is your prom. It is your responsibility to plan this. It is, it is upon your initiative. Part of being a teacher, I'm facilitating this. But the leadership is for you guys to plan. But then the focus is so much on what? Protesting the teacher and protesting other students. Now, there is a place and time to protest. But if your model is focused so much sometimes on a wrong view of injustice, where it's everyone else's fault and institutional, everyone is out to get you, you could cause what? A problem of even true leadership sometimes mean rallying together with different interests and getting things done by saying, okay, a trade-off of various um, goods and services and incentive. Does that make sense? We see this, I think, with the problem infecting that. You think those are high schoolers, but then they go into college. Then they go into where? careers and then it caused destruction instead of actually bringing about progressive good um, it ends up making everyone's experience even more miserable in this high school prom example just when you pursue the the social justice model and think that is your only tool you guys ever hear they're saying when the only tool you have is a hammer then everything is what looks like a nail right that's all you do. I think there's a place for that, but I think part of leadership is involves different, more than one t- type of skill sets. So I think this is very appropriate. We consider this topic of justice as a working out, okay? So when we say things, there's an inequality of outcome here in X, Y, or Z, and therefore we say it's injustice, I would actually say do we, we need to question that sometimes. Is it always a case that it's because of some injustice that this is brought about, that there's a disparity of numbers, okay? And I actually say that there's sometimes um, this is an axiom that those politically today in the secular humanistic circle believes but i actually would say it's not true in reality all the time it's an injustice nor do we see it necessarily in scripture okay let's go to the next point so in this powerpoint um the purpose today is we will explore the teachings in the bible about justice in contrast the world's idea of justice of whether or not justice means things must always have equal outcome okay so there's many ways to pursue this if i have like a i don't know five week series we could go to different aspect of what people mean by cosmic or social justice but today we're going to only focus on the uh, one tenet of that 
is where justice means everything must always have an equal outcome. Everyone must actually have an equal outcome. Um, and does just injustice mean, um, does it mean also when you see an unequal outcome, does that always mean it's a case of injustice, like a moral injustice has been done? And I would say that the answer is no. That yes, there are some cases where there's an uh, unequality of outcome. It is bad or or wrong or sinful, but I would actually say it's not always every single instance when you see that there is differences and differentiation that therefore it is something evil or bad that someone else is doing, okay? Especially saying a third party that does not know and maybe not even have the intention, but yet you demonize them, okay? Um, could you guys see how this topic might be relevant to today's climate and discussion? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my goal ultimately is not to do this because I'm conservative or politically, uh, you know, economically libertarian or any of that thing. My purpose is ultimately to be biblical, okay? So my focus is going to be looking at whether or not um, injustice always means, or, or just because there's unequal outcome for everybody. There or, or all these different people that it always, must always mean that it is bad, okay? By the way, for me, I think the focus, you know the phrase, go ahead, Josh, you had a question? Uh, I want to like, say another example of social justice is those social justice warriors, the Yeah, yeah, we're talking exactly about this topic, okay? Um, I think part of justice, I think biblical view of justice really focus on the means a lot more. Um, about whether or not there's just and unjust mean. And I think this is going to be, um, I'm probably, uh, broadly speaking, those are exceptions. I think a lot of social justice warriors emphasize the end, justify the means. Even it means what? A lot of what? What do we see right now? There's some that say, okay, even if it means bringing about um, destruction of third parties that are not involved, right? You guys see, for instance, you guys see over this weekend pictures of like Rochester, New York, Right where people go into, and actually it's not even there, it's in Philadelphia and other places, people could go into restaurants. People in restaurants that are irrelevant to policing, and what are people doing? Interfering and interrupting, and even what causing mayhem and destruction. Where they say, you know what, the ends justify the means. But I would actually say that if the means can be unjust, therefore it would also be something that is unjust. And I think this is something we need to really go over today, Maybe all of us, we take it for granted in this room, but this is going to be recorded in sermon audio. It will be further a bigger audience, hopefully, to understand biblically that the ends does not always justify the means, okay? And also as well, even with the outcome, there sometimes could be there's difference of outcome does not always mean this is a case of injustice. Okay, let's go on to the next point. Uh, next PowerPoint. The next PowerPoint, we're going to see five points today, okay? Point number one, we're going to see that justice is not an easy topic. I want to lay that as a foundation first. And then point number two, justice is not is about people receiving what they deserve, okay? Justice is about receiving what they deserve, about people receiving what they de- deserve. And then third point is impartiality means equal are to be treated equally, okay? Uh, impartiality means equal are to be treated equally. And then the fourth point is justice and different outcomes that we do see in the Bible. There's some cases where you see justice happening, but there's different outcomes for different people. Sorry, actually, um, it should be a fifth point, which is the fifth point is the danger of unintended outcome of social justice, okay? So these are going to be the five, five points that we have, okay? These are going to be the five points that we have, okay? So the fifth one, thank you, Victor, for editing that. 
Um, seems like you want to email this back to me. No, I'm just kidding. I can do that, fix that later, okay? So we see here, uh, with that, these are the five points we're going to consider. And each of these points, uh, the first four points, we'll look at more of Scripture. The fifth point is more of application. I want to show just even in real-life circumstance of how when we have a wrong view of justice, it messes everything up and also could have unintended outcome, though they're very sincere. Those social justice awards can be very sincere, but yet their outcome is counterproductive and also as well the opposite effect of what they pursue. Okay, Let's go to point number one. I want to look at this point number one is justice is not an easy topic. Justice is not an easy topic. Okay, Turn with me to Proverbs 27 verse 20. Josh, would you be able to read Proverbs 27 verse 20 while I catch my breath? Proverbs 27 verse 20. Could I mute also, Josh? Sheol uh, and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Oops, okay. Actually, that's a wrong verse. That was actually from last week's, okay? Um, I guess I didn't cut this out. Okay, let's actually turn now to, uh, sorry, uh, next verse. Uh, Joshua, you could still read Deuteronomy 28, verse 5. Deuteronomy 28, verse 5. Again, Deuteronomy 28, verse 5. these wrong verses Proverbs uh, Deuteronomy 28 huh okay actually um, hmm, I don't know what hold a quick let me look at my paper outline sorry actually I'm so sorry Proverbs 28 verse 5 Proverbs 28 verse 5 Proverbs 28 verse 5 um, I'm going to ask, if possible, if um, Caleb, would you be able to read Proverbs 28, verse 5? Anyway, 28, verse 5. Yeah, one we have Caleb and Joshua. Few men do not understand. Okay, I'll let Caleb. Sorry, go ahead, Caleb. Actually, I'm on the road right now. Uh, uh, Josh. Josh, if you can read Okay, go ahead, Josh, go ahead, read. Uh, 28, 5. Few men do not understand justice. But those who seek the Lord understand all things. Yeah, so when we look at this verse, we see that one of the reasons why justice is not an easy topic is because it says evil men does not understand it. But I think we could extrapolate from here is that our sinfulness, sometimes we could twist what the meaning of justice is, okay? So justice is not an easy topic, okay? Um, in fact, uh, I'm even thinking of this, uh, man, um, when I was majoring in political uh, you know, theory at UCLA, is this subject of justice is a theme that goes from Socrates on all the way to now, where different culture, different people, different philosophers um, define it in different ways. And of course, there's a richness of God's word about this theme too. But clearly one thing, what makes it difficult for us to discuss is the reality that what sinfulness make it us hard because we have what a bias, an ulterior motive uh, with this, okay? There's also the danger, I think, with uh, talking about justice 
um, is also the danger of listening to our own heart first rather than looking at the facts and considering God's word. Turn with me real quick to Proverbs 28, verse 26. Christopher, would you be able to read Proverbs 28, verse 26? Again, Proverbs 28, verses 26. Proverbs 28, verse 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Yeah, so here it says there's a danger of listening to our own heart, okay? There is a real danger to listening to our own heart. And I think this verse is really relevant today, if I could be honest. Being on college campuses, um, one of the things that, if I could be very honest with evangelizing college campus now, now that I'm 30, how old am I, Nancy? 37 versus when I'm 20-something, is I feel now when I'm listening to college students, um, you know, in the community colleges and stuff, so many of them have so many bright ideas where they say everyone before them was wrong, Okay. And then when their idea of conception of government or reality or culture and society, it just makes it um, hard, you know, in the sense that, um, by the way, Jen, I got your message, um, you know, hard because people could then look at their own hearts rather than say, hey, why do people have these customs? Again, cultures could be wrong. Customs could be wrong, but there's a reason why there is. And there's a danger of this, of listening to our own hearts. And I would say this is a verse that's very important for those who are woke, okay? Those who are social justice warrior, where sometimes it's the idea is, okay, if I don't like something, therefore there is an injustice, okay? I think there's many things in life that people do not like, but that doesn't mean necessarily there is an injustice. So I think that's one thing we have to be very careful of also as well. Okay, um, let's look at uh, also as well. Um, we must also speak at the same time in light of all this danger. We also see scripture does command us we have to speak about justice. Okay, uh, Rebecca, would you be able to come up and read Proverbs 31 verses 8 to 9? Rebecca, you read next. Okay, Proverbs 31 verses 28 uh, verses 8 to 9. Okay, verses 8 to 9. If you could come up close. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the, the rights of the afflicted and needy. Okay, thank you. You can go. Okay. So notice in this verse, okay? Notice in this verse, you see that Proverbs 31, in the context, is really uh, words from a woman, a mom. And by the way, Marmy said you did a good job, okay? Um, Proverbs 31 in context, I know we often think of Proverbs 31 as the verse to look for a wife, which is kind of true. But at the same time, before all that, this is actually a word of a mother to her son. Her son who happened to be a king, King Lemuel. And saying, hey, when you're going to grow up, you're going to be leading a country. So one of the things you need to realize you have to do is open your mouth to speak for those injustice. To Justice is important. We need to speak out what's right. And of course, part of that also... Of, of being a mom is telling him also to be a king and all that is also what application of what is a godly wife to look for okay so we must speak about injustice so in light of all this in light of our sinfulness we could pervert justice we sometimes listen to our own heart and yet we're supposed to have this duty to speak out about justice how do we balance it all and i think there's therefore important that we need to listen carefully okay listen to proverbs eighteen thirteen. christopher would you be able to read proverbs eighteen thirteen? proverbs eighteen thirteen. Proverbs 18.13 If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Okay. 
Okay, yeah, so I think a big part of even a lot of these things today is um, we need to go slow and consider all things. I know today we have a lot of really guilt-tripping word that I think is very toxic, okay? Um, I feel 2020, you hear a lot of um, slogans people say that could be almost like, man, it sounds like an abusive relationship, you know what I mean? Uh, Part of it is also when you hear things um, that silence is violence, okay? Now, let me say this real quick. I think uh, if there's an evil and you don't speak out about it and you know, that is bad, okay? That's bad. For instance, if the Nazis are doing everything and you purposely turn the other way and allow for all this, that, that is bad, okay? I'm, I'm not for that. But I also think that doesn't mean every single time someone is silent. It's such an absolute language. Sometimes people are silent because they're trying to figure things out, right? Uh, and there's a guilt trip of people who's, okay, they must respond right away when you're not figuring out, you know, some questions about policing in society is very hard. We need to actually ask what is re- reality is going on. What are the statistics? And just because you're not speaking out right away does not mean it's wrong. And there's a place also to listen carefully, okay? I think it's also almost as well, I feel like there's a contradiction today with the left where they say slogans like violence is silence and also at the same time let the people of color speak, okay? Um, it's like, well, well, which one is it? Is it only speeches pre- allowed for um, certain groups only if it goes along with the narrative I think that's really dangerous okay it's, and uh, with that so I think a part of it is listen carefully and listen carefully to who listen carefully to everyone but more importantly listening to God and God's word okay um, listening to all sides okay and also be discerning um, go to God for grace and understanding with that okay let's go on to the next slide so just is not an easy topic this is foundation to point number two now Justice is about people receiving what they deserve, okay? Um, justice is about uh, people receiving what they deserve. Turn with me real quick to Psalm 9-8, okay? There's many verses about God is judging, and part of Him being just is also giving what people deserve, okay? A good judge, we could understand that human analogy too, right? Um, if there's someone that is really genuinely guilty for, for instance, murder, a good judge, a just judge would say this person deserved the penalty, right? So giving them what they deserve, okay? God judges, okay? Turn with me real quick to Psalms 9-8, okay? Psalms 9-8. Psalms 9-8, okay? says this, And he will judge the world in what? Righteousness. He will execute judgment for the people with equity, okay? I love that word equity. Um... Equity and equality sounds almost the same, but I think the shade of meaning of equity um, is more the idea of the means, okay? Uh, or even the same standard, okay? Not necessarily the same outcome, okay? I do believe in my theology, those that are more sinful in hell will be judged more harsher than those that were less sinful, um, okay? I think there is different levels. I, it's not purgatory, but I think there's different levels of, of God's judgment and God's wrath, Okay? Um, so, you know, the Pol Pots of this world, the Hitler, will deserve a very different penalty than someone that's just, just say, I don't know, um, your Joe Smuckatelli that's just going through life, okay? And he does some sins, that kind of thing, okay? Um, so I think in light of this is justice is about uh, what people receive, what they deserve, okay? I think that's a very key word because today's uh, definition of justice, a secular definition, sometimes it's not about what people deserve at all. Okay, this is where you see some people, for instance, saying, um, even one of the books I read on criminal justice reform was advocating, okay, just because you see a whole bunch of people um, getting in jail of a certain uh, minority group, therefore, is automatically injustice, okay? But there's no consideration of saying, okay, is this violent crime? Was, there, was this person really did the crime? 
And there's even times where people have gone so far today to say, okay, even if they've done the crime because of their a certain um, uh, minority group or even social economic status, they should be let go automatically. They should be with that. But I would say that's a gross form of injustice. That's a gross form of injustice. And by the way, even today, some of the uh, violent situation that we see, injustice perpetuated when people are let go, right? And then they go back out and they say, okay, no more bail. Okay, by the way, you guys know that in California and in different states, they've gone so far to say, you know what, um, some crimes, no bail. And you hear cases where people could be arrested, what? When a situation, unfortunately, in New York, arrested 100 times, let go every time with no fine. And then eventually shoved a woman, an 80-year-old woman. You guys probably seen it gone viral. And all that is, how did that ever happen, right? You guys know even in Oregon, the person that shot a Trump supporter in Portland, Oregon, was let go continuously, where the attorney general says, okay, Black Lives Matter, therefore, I'm not going to prosecute anything. Now, let me say this. This is not an issue of taking side about what happened to George Floyd. George Floyd's death was tragic. But what I'm trying to say is, in pursuing justice, we have to ask the question, did we pursue further Injustice, okay? So justice, biblically speaking, is about what people receive, what they deserve. And by the way, I am a big supporter of those um, different projects, non-profit charity that goes back to cases and say, is this person generally the suspect? And then, you know, through the use of DNA, establishes certain things that this person is clear, what project innocence. Those are great things because remember, justice is about what people deserve. And part of the corollary is that is that people that don't deserve these punishments should not be what? Uh, should not be punished, okay? So this is really clearly what the teaching is today. I think it's very unfortunate that some people could argue about social justice, um, could miss this point where they could punish third parties of people that are not involved, you know, destroying certain businesses, you know. One of the things I read about was what someone destroyed in Rochester, uh, someone owned a U-Haul business, an African-American owned it. And people, he could spray paint all over, you know, black owned, and yet they destroyed it. And what a sad thing. When third parties are receiving something that they did not, a punishment that they did not deserve. That is not justice. Justice is about receiving what people have deserved. Let's go on to the next slide. You know, as we go over this, this might be uncomfortable with some, but realize I, I hope you guys know my motive is to be biblical. And this is probably going to be the most controversial message I've preached, but I hope you see that I'm driven by Scripture and the standard of Scripture, okay? Um, the third point is also impartiality means equals are to be treated equally, okay? There's verses on the Bible that talks about impartiality. Let's turn to Romans 2.11, okay? Romans 2.11. Impartiality is important, okay? Being partial um, could be a sin, okay? Romans 2.11. Romans 2.11. Could I have Josh read? Hello, Phil. Okay, uh, Josh, would you be able to read Romans 2.11? Romans... Phil, are you saying something? Uh, you're muted, by the way, Phil. Okay, Josh, read Romans. I came in my line to say hi to you. Okay, okay. All right. Romans 2.11, Josh? Uh, for there is no partiality with God. Okay, yeah, there's no partiality. Okay, in the context of Romans, he's saying this. Jews... Are, and Gentiles, are they all sinners? Yeah, they are all sinners, okay? They are all sinners. Equally sinners, equally with the same standard of God, which is God's what moral standard. By the way, are Jews and Gentiles also saved? Yes, God is also um, you know, gracious in that sense also as well, okay? 
um, at this time. Let's also look real quick to, we must also see the importance of impartiality in judgment in the area of legal aspect, okay? Turn with me real quick. Uh, if I could ask, um, ooh, if I could ask uh, Abigail, would you be able to read Leviticus 19.11? Would you be able to come up here? Leviticus 19.11. Uh, 1915. Sorry, Leviticus 1915. Okay. Okay, Leviticus 1915. You shall do no, no ju injustice in judgment. You shall not be part partial partial to the poor, nor defiant to the great, but you are the, to judge your neighbor fair. Okay, good, okay. So notice here, it says it very clear that we are to judge fairly and not to be partial, okay? There's some more verses here, okay? Um, Marmy says, Abigail, you did such a good job reading. Let's turn also as well to Exodus 23, verse 3. Exodus 23, verse 3. Um, Josh, would you be able to read Exodus 23, verse 3? Uh, that's before Leviticus, right? Uh, yes, that's before. It's the second book of the Bible. Exodus 23, verse 3. Exodus. Nor shall you be painful to a poor man in his dispute. Yeah, so here we even see here, which is fascinating, okay? There's a lot of passage in Scripture about um, protecting the poor, you know, not favoritism, the rich. But this verse also shows that it is possible that we could be partial in favor. Of someone just because they're poor. And scripture in Exodus 23 verse 3 says, Hey, don't be partial in that way either. It should be both are what? Treated equally before the law. Does that make sense? Okay. So part of it is Exodus 23 verse 3 might be even relevant for some of the um, new view of justice today. You know. Um, and that verse is to say, hey, there should not be partiality in that way also as well. Okay. Um, citizens of Israel are to be treated equally before the law, whether they're great or small. Let's turn real quick to Deuteronomy one seventeen. Christopher, would you be able to read Deuteronomy one seventeen? Deuteronomy one seventeen. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring it to me, and I will hear it. Yeah, so here in the context here, okay, um, Moses is speaking, um, and he's saying that, hey, for those those who are going to be presiding and judging over others, they should be impartial. And all citizens of Israel are equal before law, whether they're great or small. Do you guys see that in verse 17? Whether great or small in stature, um, they should be what? All treated equally before the law, okay? Also, let's turn real quick now to one in the church age, James 2.9. James 2 9. If I could have um Hui, would you be able to read James 2 9? James 2 9. Again, James chapter 2, verse 9. But if you shall 
show favoritism, use use sin, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Yeah. So here again, it's condemnation of uh, partiality. In the context of James two, the partiality is towards those who are rich. You kind of see that in verses two two, like if someone goes to church, they're dressed really fine clothes, then you show extra favor towards him. Okay, um, but then for those that are not as affluent, then you don't really care. So there's a in this church age, even in the institution of the church, um, church members are equal before God as church members. Okay, whether they're rich or they're poor. Okay, I want to make an observation from all these verses. Okay, notice here, um, equality means we cannot make uh, any distinction because today's de- redefinition of equality, I think, means that, that hey, there's no way you can make any distinction. Um, that it must be everything must be homogeneous, okay? But I would actually say it is possible to be equal, but yet also there could be distinction, okay? There could be distinction, okay? Um, I think this sometimes has gone so far, even for some, when it comes to like grievance studies with, with genders, for instance, like men and women um, are all the same. But I would say no, there is the distinction between male and female biologically, but we could be equal in what sense? Equal in the sight of God. We are both made in the image of God. Equal when it comes to each vote. Each one of us, our vote is equally the same. I don't get two votes just because I'm a guy and a woman just only get one vote, right? So there's this sense where, notice here, it's still, notice, you know, James, it doesn't say, hey, therefore, get rid of the rich, right? It doesn't say in James, therefore, make all the rich equally uh, poor like everyone else, okay? It doesn't say that. Or make everyone all rich the same way. Nor do we see when it says the great and small in Deuteronomy 117 and say, hey, there's no such thing as those who are maybe more fluent, more influential than others, okay? So it is not making no distinction whatsoever. Does that make sense? It's not, the, even when it says in Exodus 23, 3, saying don't be impartial towards the poor, it does not mean, therefore, there's no such thing as the rich and no such thing as poor. So there are still distinction. But there is, I think, when we see distinction, does not mean there is a sense of immoral inequality. I think this is very, very important. So part of this is impartiality, as our third point established, means equals are to be treated what? Equally, okay? Uh, Impartiality means equals are to be treated what? Equally, okay? Maybe I could give an analogy. Um, Just even everyday mundane things. We do make this distinction, okay? I think of, for instance, when I go to, um, one of the things I love about November, usually, maybe the exception this year, is I like to take my girls to Knott's Berry Farm, right? Part of it is because they have a veteran's discount. When I go over there, okay, just with that, um, you guys know roller coasters, they need to have what? Certain height, yes? You have to go, true or not, okay? And let's just say my daughter, Hannah, really wants to go on this one ride. The first, the two, young, two older girls could go. Um, so equally, if all my uh, two older daughters are over that height, then the quality means, okay, you can't say, hey, you know, the person running it can't say, hey, Abigail could go, but Rebecca can't. Because, hey, they're equals. They're, therefore, they should be what? Treated equally. Of course, you have to wait in line and take turn, that kind of thing, first come, first serve, okay, to mitigate everyone's desire to go on this roller coaster. So there is equality or treated equal. But then if my youngest daughter cannot go, because it doesn't fit the height requirement for the purpose of safety and maturity, whatever other reason, then I can't say, okay, look at Rebecca and Abigail. How come you let them go? But you can't. Was, no, there, there's an unequal comparison. There's of different heights. I don't have a case to make an argument of a moral inequality. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? Okay. Um, there's another example is also as well. Let's just say, you know, uh, I could drive, right? My daughter could be later on, 15 years old, say, I wish to drive. How come you get to drive, but I can't? That's unfair. Well, there's a distinction of what? 
of age of being an adult, for instance, and versus that of a kid. So equal among kids, all kids uh, um, under 16 equally should not be able to drive versus those who are 16 and above equally have the uh, equally have the um, law that is permittable for one to be able to drive. Doesn't mean you practice all your rights. Doesn't mean you get to practice all your privilege, but it's equally uh, uh, equitable or equity with that, okay? So in light of this, even with this example, you might even say, okay, is there an injustice then where some people could drive and some people can't because something that's not because of themselves, whether because of mental situation, physical handicap limitation, or all these other things. Is it in that way also, could you stand there for say, oh, look, the law is unequal. It's an injustice because it's nothing they have done in of themselves. Okay, let's just say there's someone that is unable to have hands. And therefore, okay, there's great injustice. You must make him drive even though he's missing two hands. Okay, you must, you, you know, car dealers must pay a big penalty because they're not making equality for them to be able to somehow drive even without hands. Is that the case where there must be equal of uh, outcome? Let's go now to the next slide, which is our next point. Okay. And we want to see that sometimes there could be justice, and yet justice could prevail even though there is what? Different outcomes, okay? Uh, I think a very clear example of this is in 1 Kings 3.16 to 28, okay? 1 Kings 3.16 to 28. This is rather long. This is rather long. Um, Josh, would you be interested in you and I switching every other verse? 1 Kings 3.16 to 8, okay. uh, 28. Every other verse, okay? Uh, I'll do with the first one. Yeah, and then I'll do the next, okay? And two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. The, verse seventeen. The one woman said, "O oh my lord, this woman and I live in the same house. This woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a woman while she was in the house, to a child while I was in this house." It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son who I am born. Then the other woman said, No, for the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, No, for the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The ones says, This is my son who is living, and your son is dead, one. And the other says, No, for your son is a dead one, and my son is a living one. The king said, Give me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. The king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one, and half to the other. Then the woman whose child was living once spoke to the king, for he was... She was deeply stirred over her son and said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine uh, nor yours. Uh, divide him. Verse 27. 
Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Uh, when all Israel heard of the judgment which the king has handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in, in him to minister justice. Okay? Reading this verse, this is about King Solomon, about his wisdom. Okay? By the way, this is not a verse saying, Solomon is not trying to say, oh, let's kill the kids. He's saying, okay, there's two women. They're arguing. Which, you know, one says, okay, this, this is my son who's living. No, this is my son who's living. No, this is your dead son. This one, you know, so there's an exchange and all that, right? So what he, does he do as a ploy? Is he says, okay, if that's the case, let's what? Divide them both what? Equally, okay? If he did that, would that be injustice or justice? What do you guys say? If he actually went through with it, yeah, that would be injustice. Yeah, okay. He was counting on the he was using psychology, like um, he knew the real mother would would care, and the and the mother might not care. Yeah, he's using psychology, or I would even say, for my view, is what is called behavioral economics. He's looking at different individuals and their incentive and disincentives for decisions, right? Whatever you call it, is he's being very what tactical and wise in the situation, right? Now. Notice here, in solving things, there could be such thing as what? Something that is equal, something that is equal, and yet, um, uh, something, Hui, I saw your message, um, something that is equal, um, and yet at the same time could be injustice, okay? Equally, two equally dead babies, is that what we really want? Do you see how this is an example of how equality, and by the way, sometimes in order to make everything equal, you have to go hit the most bottom line, right? The most bottom line, but is that something we really truly want? Okay, but also as well, notice here at the same time when he made adjudicated justice, when he find out who this baby really be, is belongs to, and if it's this mother, this child is the biological mother, this one, then you must give what is due. Do you see how this is a case of justice? Even though when after the uh, preliminary hearing everything is over, there's two different outcomes. One mom walks away with no child, and another mom walks away with with a child that is alive. Do you guys see how there is such thing as justice and different outcome? Does that make sense? They're both equal before the law. The law is equally applicable for both in the sense of saying, if this is your biological child, this must be your child. Does that make sense? Um, at the same time, notice there's different what outcomes that has happened. This is very, very important because today, like I said, in terms of some of our conversation, we're always stressing the same outcome uh, and if there's not a, there's even a small percentage of disparity therefore it's like the most horrendous thing possible and what I'm trying to suggest is sometimes there's more going on okay more going on what are the factors you can't just look at the numbers and say there's a disparity of difference of number and therefore automatically everything is bad because of this you have to go to the root cause but the very least in this uh, verse we see that justice involves what at times different outcome let's look also as well to Matthew chapter 20 Matthew chapter 20, if you guys could turn there. Um, do you guys remember the parable of the labor? Okay. Um, do you guys see in the story here? Um, so you see here, this is also a case where there's different parables. Some parables out there is what Jesus gives is what people giving different what? Different rewards. Notice in this one, the boss is what saying, hey, hiring people, and they all get paid what? The same, even though some are what? Later. Now, this is a good example of like, there is the same such thing as what? Same outcome, but different effort put into it. Does that make sense? Different effort put into it. Okay. I bring this up as just to balance that. But also, for instance, if you guys look with me in Luke 16, if you guys could look with me also as well in Luke 16. Luke 16. 
Again, I'm going to just look at this to highlight for the sake of time. Okay, Luke 16, if you guys remember the story of, um, what was it, Luke 16? Say again. Okay, this is the bad part of doing things on the fly. Um, okay, there is uh, one of the parables where there's different rewards, right? One get one city, one gets five city, one gets ten city, right? There's different wages and different rewards, okay, uh, all throughout uh, Scripture, okay? Let's look at another one, uh, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, if you guys could turn with me to Daniel chapter 12. This is something that is not a parable. This is actually... In the end times, this is what's going to happen, a prophecy in the end times of what God will do, okay? Um, Daniel chapter 12 says this. Um, we'll pick up really in verses uh, 2 to 3, okay? Um, Daniel 12, 2 to 3. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will wait there to everlasting death, but the others to everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Okay. One of the things we see here in verses 2 and 3 is verses 2 makes it clear that a one day there will be a judgment. All of us will call to a resurrection. will be judged by God. But two different outcomes. Some will be to everlasting what? Punishment. And some to what? According to verse 2. Everlasting life. Now, the the word justice, by the way, appears a lot in the book of um. The word justice actually appears a lot in the book of Romans. I think why Romans was written is we we kind of can miss that word justice because it's the word justify, or righteous. Uh, the Greek word is dikaio, and the reason why Romans, I think, the theme of Romans is to say, how could God save some and some are not saved? Isn't there an impartiality upon God? But the focus on uh, Ephesians, uh, Romans, is to say, no, Jews and Gentiles are equally all, what, sinful, all deserve wrath. But even the means, now, there might be different outcomes. Some are saved and some are not. But the means of Christ uh, saving us is a just mean. There was a penalty that was paid for. There was a transaction. There was Christ dying on the cross, taking the death penalty that you and I deserve okay so i think in terms of biblical um, view uh the means is very 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 important okay the means is very very important um even though there might be different outcomes okay um let's go on to the next slide Now I want to talk about, in light of this, okay, um, that in terms of justice, defining it, if we only define justice as all equal outcome, uh, that could be sometimes dangerous. Because in order to bring equality, it, everything is always going to be what? The bottom line. I actually think that um, with this, sometimes we could have unintended consequences with social justice, okay? I'm going to give some example. You guys all heard about recently about Uber in California? You guys heard about how California wanted to have Uber pay for, um, make every one of their, um, so right now if you work for Uber, you get a 1099, that is like you're an independent contractor, instead of a W-2, like you're, you're like an employee, and they, what they want to do for Uber, and this is also as well with Lyft in California, is make the law to where everyone gets, um, that works for Uber, must get health care, must get health care, you guys all know health care is very expensive, okay, uh, I'm going to give an example of my own life because my life is an open book at our church. Um, if you guys know how much our church pays for health care, it is incredible um, for my family. It's almost about the salary that I make. The reality is because of what? 
um, healthcare, remember supply and demand. Would the demand for healthcare ever go away? No, it never goes away. People always get sick. Health is important. In fact, the older you get, the demand of it increases, right? Um, but if the supply doesn't increase, then what? Cost is going to go up because of the nature of scarcity, right? So in light of this, if you say everyone must get health care, then what? It's putting a strain on a system, um, and therefore cost is going to naturally go up. This is just a bare-bone reality. This is a piggyback back of last week when we go over that the nature of long, um, supply and demand is really stubbornly there. Go ahead, Ben Wirtz. Oh, and I was saying with the Uber thing, then they're saying that they're going to leave altogether then because like, bro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's unaffordable. Yeah, it's unaffordable, right? They wouldn't be able to afford that. Now, some of us will say, "Oh, yeah, you could afford it. You make a lot of profit." But for whatever incentive for their company, saying, "Oh, it's," but it was one of those things when you commit to, you don't know how high it is. Like just with our church, okay, in the beginning, health insurance wasn't that much, but then it just keeps going up. And you're like, "Whoa, how could we be able to do things with it?" Okay, so that is an example. Uber and Lyft were saying, "Okay, because we can't afford it, we're gonna live." Uh, leave okay uh so when they almost did but you know who came out surprisingly was arguing against it was actually a lot of um you know this is kind of strange because politically conservative uh, people economically um this group of um special interests normally don't side with conservative um fiscal policy um it's actually the naacp did you guys know came out and actually made a strong condemnation against the California law against Uber, saying Uber must make everyone um, have insurance. Because they were saying, okay, if that's the case, it's going to kill Uber and Lyft. And therefore, uh, the people that we represent, African Americans, for to leave um, poverty, one of the means is what people able to drive. This would allow certain people to have what? Uh, additional income. The other group that was uh, uh, came out from this, uh, don't quote me, I believe, was also the ACLU, which is usually very what progressive, very liberal, right? They're usually suing schools a lot, saying, "Okay, um, you're not meeting these needs." And by the way, when they do that, it doesn't it doesn't help a lot of people. There's an unintended outcome as what. There's now more money now given to what special interest lawyers that could have gone to e per students, okay? So they're also saying, no, we cannot get rid of Uber. Another group also as well is even small business, uh, African-American um, Small Business Association, right? Um, even various chamber of commerce in places like Compton and uh, different places that's historically more African-American. They were adamantly, I bring that up to say this, they could be like, I'm sure those guys that made the law really meant well. Say, okay, we want everyone to have insurance. But then the way we get health insurance, how do we go about it if we don't consider, notice the fact of reality is supply and demand. The way you increase it is not, uh, to provide health care is trying to find a way where it's cheap, okay? That's affordable for everyone. That's a goal. But if you legislate that way, they'll kill what? The unintended outcome is it kills job. And by the way, if there's no Uber and Lyft, think about how, would that hurt other people that are not involved also as well with Uber and Lyft? Well, I mean, it could be, Okay, yeah, that's one, right? People that need Uber and Lyft. Um, but at the same time, there's another supplier called taxis, right? And buses, okay? But then if, every, if it goes back to the day, um, taxis, which is cheaper, Uber, Lyft, or taxis? Uber and Lyft is cheaper, right? But if everyone's with a uh, taxi, then there's no competition. Then what? People that's using taxis is what? More expensive, right? And vice versa. If you have everyone in buses, okay? 
um, in buses, then it will be what more constraint and the cost of buses will go up. Um, but also as well, think about we're in the situation of coronavirus. We're talking about social distancing, and yet if you have everyone all together, is that going to be more uh, harm or bad for public health? More worse, you see the unintended outcome. And by the way, just to keep this perspective, as much as the government goes after private institution and businesses, they're trying to kill the private industry by saying, okay, putting all these rules of restriction. When the government comes to themselves with their own, do they have the same standard? They apply partially, partially or, 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 or a hypocrisy when it comes to taking care of coronavirus and public health. What do you guys think? If you go to the public uh, buses, a lot of times they don't clean it. They actually don't clean it, even though they require all these business to have all these standards, right? Restaurants to have these kind of standards of everything, provide all these things to clean. But in their own places, think about New York. How many people have gotten sick? And it took them months of many people protesting before they finally were able to clean up New York subway, right? But then when you force everyone now, say everyone, there's less option for people. The public health is a concern, not to mention the cost, is limited because you have less option to pick who who am I going to take? For instance, our brother Christopher is going to go to what? To fly back? He's going to uh, fly back to in, or fly to Indo, right? Or back to Asia in Indo? He's going to take either the subway, buses, or Uber or Lyft. But then, if you remove those options, is it going to have cheaper option for him or 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 ex- more expensive option? It's going to be more expensive because there's no competition. Does that make sense? So another thing I think is also as well unintended outcome. Though people mean really well with this is also uh, in the name of justice is also welfare, also as well. Okay. Now let me say this. I'm not saying this to look down on people. Uh, when I say this, okay, it's just I'm just saying pure economics. This unintended. Okay. Um, I grew up as someone. Uh, our family we were impoverished with this, but I also am saying this is the truth. So again, this is not me judging others. This is the unintended outcome. Okay. If you, for instance, get a, a whole bunch of people. How many of us would sound it would be nice if you give poor people a million dollars? If every poor individual get a million dollars? How many of you guys would be for it? I think most of us would be against it. Why? Because what ended up happening is what? You're just working day to day. Let's just say you get paid $12 an hour or $24 an hour. Then you kind of feel like the fool. Why am I working when there's less incentive uh, to work when someone else could not work? Do you see how it destroys... Yeah, the incentive and disincentive structure. By the way, we kind of also see this even right now. With even right now with unemployment, for instance, with even the virus situation, right? Um, even some cities have a struggle of people working in restaurants because people decide, you know what? It's better to do nothing and get paid for it. It's a greater incentive than not to. And by the way, who suffers? Then the people amount that has to work, there's less option, right? Um, people that do work feel what? really bitter so do you see how a well-intended consequence could cause more and by the way let's just say going back to scenario a million dollars for everyone that's poor that also raises what inflation right raises inflation in the sense that your million dollars is going to worth less when everyone else have it true or not right uh, which one would you guys have i always think uh, um this scenario would i rather get paid a dollar um a dollar an hour or would i rather get paid twelve dollars an hour in today's world would i rather get paid a dollar out yeah, it depends because co- yeah, it depends. It's always relative to cost of living, right? Let's just say I get paid a dollar an hour, but then every Happy Meal is five cents. Like you go to McDonald's, your your combo is five cents for a drink, a burger, and fries. Or you or you would rather get paid twelve dollars in our economy, where what 
a happy or, or a burger meal costs what about eight dollars and uh eight dollars about right for a burger fries and a burger i would rather get paid a dollar an hour because why even though it sounds less in terms of monetary counts by cents the purchasing power is what we need to look at the purchasing power is much less in a scenario where i get paid twelve dollars versus the one dollar an hour but then i could buy what a meal a, a, a McDonald's meal for five cents. Does that make sense? We are, need to look. This is a good example why economics matter. We shouldn't just only look at the wages cost of dollars and cents, but we should look ultimately in its relations to other things, such as cost of living, such as rent, cost for food, etc. Does that make sense? So the unintended consequences of that is it causes inflation. Again, I'm not saying. Government should not help or anything else. I'm just saying sometimes we think deeper. It causes a lot more things than we don't intend. So this is where we need to realize um, with that. One last scenario I give. If I think this is a fitting analogy explaining why sometimes a goal with, with when you see disparity is not so much equality as more of the goal is to make more things. The more is actually more capitalism. The more the goal is to actually produce more goods and services, okay? Let's just say we're in a boat or a ship. And in that ship, they only have, they could only afford paying, buying 100 um, lifeboats. Or lifeboats that could fit 100 people, right? And the ship has 200 people. If you say, okay, the goal is to be equal outcome for all. And you're going to be in that boat and the boat is sinking and the equal outcome of all. Should we say that if equality is really the is equality at all costs really the goal of saying e- everyone equally drown? How many of us would be for that? Well, I mean that that's an actual historic example with the Titanic. See, they yeah. had far more people than they had lifeboats for, so they had to actually figure out who had to go on lifeboats. Yeah. So the goal I think should be how do we, the goal should be how do we incentivize more production, right? After that Titanic, I can tell you right now. After that, the amount of lifeboats each boat has increased because people are like, I ain't going to travel if this is all you have, right? What is the safety measure here? What is there? So notice how the market itself sees the demand. So the goal is if the government could pass all these laws say, okay, everyone must equal outcome. Anyone could do that. That's actually the simple part. But then passing laws in itself is almost magical or superstitious if there's no actual production. So the real hero of the story sometimes is not necessarily the politician all the time. Sometimes the hero of the story are the guys that say, you know what? There's not enough boats. I'm going to find out ways to make more boats. The ingenuity and then selling it, okay? The heroes of the story today, I know sometimes even lawmakers say, hey, there's not enough masks. Look at me. I am so wonderful. I made a law that says we need to have more masks. Well, everybody wants more masks for everyone. The heroes of the day and age might not be as so glorious and glamorous as the, the everyday hero are the guys that says, you know what? My company used to make planes. But at this moment, because there's a need for masks, I'm going to stop this production to make masks. Because yes, there is a demand for it and we'll make money. But the other demand is also because there is a real genuine need. Okay, So sometimes an everyday hero might not be the ones that you see in the front saying, okay, look at me. So what I'm trying to say is this. There's unintended outcome of sometimes with these social justice when the goal is actually to increase the pie, right? Sometimes people look at the pie and say, okay, there's not enough. How come you have 25%? Well, the goal is to grow the pie bigger. Even if everyone gets a little bit, everyone benefits. That should be the goal and not just the focus on equality. If Again, equality could only mean the bottom line. Equality could mean the bottom line. The goal to raise is to raise everyone up. It's kind of like the sea level, right? There's different 
the heights of different ships. But if the water level increases, every one of us benefits. And that could only be possible. Same thing with the health industry. The only way that could be possible is we have more, what, doctors. More doctors, more healthcare, more medicine, more competitions, more pharmaceutical company competing with one another, and the cost will go down. Does that make sense? That's what we need to increase. But a lot of times a politician would only say, oh, well, this increased demand by saying, hey, we must, everyone has to have this service. By the way, you guys know the history of medical care, health care, insurance? You guys know in, uh, in this world, where's the first, where's the first place that invented um, health care or health insurance? It was actually in California, the very same state that ironically is trying to kill it right now, is the same one as the railroad industry. As they had more businesses to compete with other companies, with railroads, they offered their employees, what, incentive of health benefits. So we need to see the way to do things sometimes. Might not be as cool as we have, but we need to see reality as what? To increase supply, okay, with that.